This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Supercast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. Damon, how are you? We are good. Um, day, whatever it is, of uh, this little fun thing the whole world's going through. Everybody's going through it. I hope everybody is safe. Hope everybody's washing their hands uh, and staying home and uh, doing all the right things that we are being asked to do. It's uh, inconvenient, yes. Is it uh, troubling? Yes. It is uh, safety first, right? We can put the pro wrestling on hold for a little bit, Joel, right? And uh, get through this, and then uh, there's there are brighter days ahead. We will all smile again one day. Talk to us about Yakuza, because I'm oh. very envious of you getting to play yeah? that. It's cool. I, I definitely dig it. Um yeah, I was on the fence, and it was on sale, and uh, we had recommendations to that that I might like that a little bit more. Which uh, version are you playing, just, just so we're clear? Uh, six. Six. Uh, so I guess it would be one of the newest ones. I just kind of wanted the graphics. Like, I wanted it to look – like, <laughs> I was just really wanted to, to, to walk around Tokyo, to be quite honest with you, just to get all the feels. Uh, and it is amazing. What what I mean, I haven't gotten too deep into it. Um, it's very story heavy in the beginning, at least. Um, it felt like I was just sitting here watching a fucking movie for a long period of time. I wasn't really touching my controller at all. Uh, but it's cool, man. Once you get into that city, uh, I mean, it's based off of Copachico, is it? Um, which is the seedy part of Tokyo. And, uh, again, you can go into, you know, the equivalent of like a family mart and it looks the same and you can buy food and uh there's all kinds of seedy things and you fight gangs and so you could buy food so can you yes. purchase crisps and or strong zeros or some uh, sort of game equivalent yeah game equivalent yeah so you can go to vending machines and they have stuff that looks like um that Picari sweat um it looks like a, a, a vending machine in Tokyo would. Um, it is eerily similar. You know, the boss coffee, right? Um, yes, and then you go and you can go into like a, a family mart or whatever you know the game calls it, um, and you can buy a bento box. You can buy uh, onigiri. You can buy drinks. You can buy um, rom. You know. It's you're going to a family mart. It's unbelievable, um, and you kind of need it because you do have to feed. You ha- you do have to eat, and you do have to drink um, to maintain certain energy levels. So it's cool. So far, I'm loving it. Um, I haven't played it in two days, but uh, it's just been extremely busy work. But uh, yeah, I think that I think that was a quality purchase. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm definitely enjoying it. Tell me about like maybe one moment, the highlight so far, where you've been to a place where you've been like, oh, I know this place, I've been there, and it's brought back some nice memories for you. Part of the um, the, the backstory, they give you a little bit of backstory to lead you into you know 
what, what your goals and, and, and the mission of the game is. And um, it's a pop singer. And she's at that they call it the uh, Japan Dome, but it's obviously the Tokyo Dome, right? And they show all around the Tokyo Dome. I'm like, oh fuck, it's the fucking Tokyo Dome. Um, and then again, like it's it's you know, Kobashiko is you know has that uh, arch that right before you go into that walkway, that street that's just littered with signage and lights, and it's just an amazing thing at night. Um, it truly is that you know that Japanese Tokyo, I don't want to say Blade Runnerish, you know, feel that people kind of you know, want that. That, that. that is where Blade Runner was filmed, isn't it? I that think so. District. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, so it's that you know, and I, I think, like I said, just the sillier things. I haven't really. There was one time I wound up in a uh, gentleman's club. Uh, um, uh, but I did not partake. Damon, I, can I you look- stick to telling us about the video game, please? <laughs> so, oh, sorry, my bad. Yes, uh, the video game. Uh, the yeah. So I haven't done I haven't done a million things yet, but just walking around. Um, like I said, the vending machines are the same. Like even the little slots, like where you would put the coins, are exactly where a, a, the vending machine would, would have it. Um, and were you telling Cheryl? Were you like, look, Cheryl, the slots, oh, the slots are the same. I swear to God, I swear to God, I was like, I was like, I, I, can I, I want to show you something? And I'm usually involving a boob or something. <laughs> so she gets up reluctantly, um, and I was like, I got this video game, and it, it's. I said the best way to describe it is, it's, and again, I know it's not, but I just just to kind of get from point A to point B. I was like, it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto, but. It, the setting is Tokyo, and I showed her the first cutscene where he first get, goes back to Tokyo, and she's like, "Holy shit!" She's like, "Can you walk around?" I was like, "Yeah, you can like walk around the street." So we walked around a little bit. She was she and she was impressed. She was just like, "Wow, holy shit, this is pretty great." So she's like, "You're gonna be here for days." I was like, "Yep, <laughs> see see you, see you Wednesday." Um, it's cool. I, I definitely like it so far. Um, and and I, I tell you what, like I said, the one thing that I that at the very least I've gotten a new appreciation for video games. I've always liked video games, but I've never really um, jumped too hard in. But between this and Fire Pro Wrestling, I am I am the I am so into the Fire Pro Wrestling with what they. <laughs> I know you're not into the Fire Pro, Joel, but I. I'm amazed at the creations that some of these people make. Like they have this thing where you can customize body parts and heads and the heads are so lifelike. Like they're, they, I sound like in Goodfellas, they look like the real thing. Um, I, I've been, I've been organizing my rosters, you know, making sure that my NWA guys are in my NWA folder and, you know, my all Japan and Deleting all, all the that. women wrestlers. <laughs> no, I have, I have a few. I have quite a few. Um, it's amazing how how much detail these creators put in. And again, you can customize the ring. So again, you can get you know Noah's ring in 1990. You can get an exact replica. You can get uh, Crockett's NWA ring for Great American. You know, it's that kind of detail. Spectrum. You know, one of my favorite rings is a, is a Spectrum ring um, from you know. The early '80s, but it's just like okay, it's hitting all the nostalgia buttons. Uh, I, had, I had somebody, I paid somebody to make a Super J cast ring. It looks amazing. Love it. Play with it all the time. 
Um, the ring mat has our logo. The, the turnbuckle pads have our logo on it. It's fucking cool. Um, so you just need to commission someone to make you as a wrestler because you love playing with yourself, don't you? Ah, uh, I do. I love <laughs> I love it. <laughs> stroking it. Uh, we should have a bell for dick jokes today because <laughs> there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, that, that was uh, on the agenda. Like I said to you, just pull about the curtain a bit. This is the first time in the history of the Super J cast where there's literally no news. There's nothing on my notepad file. And usually, even in like slow weeks, there's a few little tidbits, but I've just got fuck all here. So our plan was just to fill an hour and a half with dick jokes. And yep. we've opened the floodgates now, so <laughs> let's keep here it up. <laughs> boom, boom, there's another one. <laughs> there's another one. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, don't want to limp behind. Um... Yes. So again, video games are going smashingly so far during this pandemic. I like saying pandemic. I don't know why. I find it to be, uh, I don't know. Did you ever think you'd be living in a pandemic? <laughs> I, I like the word pandemic. There's um, a very good board game called Pandemic. And it's unique yeah. because it's one of the few board games that I know, at least, where you have to work together to uh, fight against the global pandemic. So there's mm-hmm. that. And also for okay. anyone who's seen The Wire, I think one of the drugs was called Pandemic. I just remember like the kid, kids in the street walking around like, Pandemic! Pandemic! So, <laughs> got a lot of fondness That's... for the word Pandemic. I'm with you there. Um, I, I could use some Pandemic. We're going to score some Pandemic. I'm down. There's, there's got to be like a wrestling stable or a tag team or something called Pandemic. Or, or no, something I'm aware of. Yeah. I think Pandemic is not used enough in pro wrestling. We need, we need more of it. New Japandemic. There's a there's a pun in there somewhere. <laughs> so we can find it. Well, you know, we're good at that. But yeah, video games are good. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, I you know what I wanted to ask you specifically about video games, being that we do a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Um, I need suggestions, and maybe our listeners can help out because they're uh, big into the video gaming as well. Uh, I need a suggestion. So. Are there video games? And I haven't done a lot of digging, so keep bear that in mind. I could easily do a Google search, but lazy. Um, are there video games that are like escape rooms that can be played with a, a significant other to help solve a puzzle to escape a room? Uh, Portal. Portal 2. There's some good uh, co-op on Portal 2. Okay. Sorry about the noise. <laughs> That's all right. We know that. Hey, listen, you're that, that just again. came up to me. She's holding the baby and she's like, I want to wash some clothes. Can you take the baby? I was like, okay. Puts her in my arms. And like seconds later, she starts crying. So <laughs> I, I, it's a conspiracy. I think they both, know, well, obviously Mally knows, but I think Esther knows as well that I'm trying to record. So she's just trying to fuck up the recording. But yeah, Portal 2. Uh, and listeners, okay. if you have any suggestions as well, uh, let us know. Yeah, yeah, let us know. I mean, again, more of a of a escape room kind of thing, kind of feel, but something that's not too difficult. Again, Cheryl's not what you would call Miss Gamer. She's not Ms. Gamer. Um, so, yeah, anything that uh, that is along those lines, that would be helpful. Or, like, games geared towards six-year-olds, apparently, because that's, that's her wheelhouse. She likes those games where it's like you're a chef and you have to make a bunch of meals for people. I don't know. I don't. What did I marry? Jesus Christ Almighty! Yeah, uh, I used to play like that on the deck. Cooking Mama. Not like Cooking Mama. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll look for Cooking Mama. That's Mama right. who's so cooking. You're not cooking someone's Mama. That that would be horrible. That'd be 
terrible. That'd be terrible. Um, so how is the give us a give everybody an update on life in the hotel? I know that is a big talking point, a big discussion point on our Discord and uh, all avenues of the internet is how Joel's hanging out uh, in the hotel. Give us an update, please. Exactly the same as it was last week. Um, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Better Call Saul, uh, which I'm enjoying as a Breaking Bad fan. The highlight of my day is when I sit down in the afternoon and have this Thai snack called Myankam, which is... Uh, I think they're betel leaves, so a little leaf, and then you make like a little parcel inside the leaf with some like kind of sweet coconut tamarind sauce, some dried coconut, a bit of chili, dried shrimp, ginger, shallot, and lime, and it's delicious. It's so nice because you get this little sort of burst of all these different flavors in your mouth. So I I sit there and. I'm really geeky about it. I count the number of leaves they put in the packet and then I make calculations accordingly. So if there's like 20 <laughs> leaves in the packet, then I'm cutting up my lime into 20 pieces to make sure that I'm going to get an even mouthful in, in each bite. So that's what's happened okay. to my life. <laughs> what a sad indictment <laughs> where I am now as a person. Um, what else? I had Nashville hot chicken for the first time yesterday. That was great. Love that. Yeah. Um, that's literally it. There is no other news, <laughs> just like New Japan. I got nothing for you. I'm sorry. Oh my! Oh no! I will tell you gracious. one thing that that there's a bit of news for as far as my school goes. There yes. is some talk to reopen the school, maybe 11th, which obviously I can't be a part of, given that I'm not allowed in the country. So all of the teachers oh. who are still in the city are going to have to like teach all the kids for us whilst. Oh. And, and the principal was like, oh, you, you guys who are not in Shaman, you can figure out ways to help. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, yeah, of course. I'll, I'll, I'll think of something. Yeah, I'll, I'll support you guys. I'll help come up with ideas. And, uh, and uh, like behind the scenes, I'm like, holiday. <laughs> right. Are you? Would you, if instantly you could take what you have right now or just just drop right on in, everything's sorted, you're back home, what, what, what would you take? Oh yeah, I would definitely opt for going home rather than yeah. staying here because you know I miss my home and like uh, I've mentioned before, like it seems like life in Sherman is pretty much back to normal. So I just miss things like you know going to the park and going to my favourite little cafes and stuff. You know the small things that you take for granted that now when you're cooped up you really start to miss. What can can you explain what exactly is the issue? Like what the fuck is the is the is the problem? getting you home uh china have the main issue is china won't allow any foreigners to come in the country it doesn't matter if they've got visas work permits whatever no foreigners are allowed in so that's the main one uh and i'm still waiting for esther's passport uh, when that comes then i can hypothetically apply for her chinese visa oh and also wait for mali's passport oh and also there are no uh flights from thailand to china as far as i know so quite a few obstacles in the way so i uh, i'm not going anywhere anytime soon so oh my goodness all right listen can we do you need anything is th- no, this is your time no no no, no. no really stop, stop 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 you you need anything this is the time to milk our audience for <laughs> for for <laughs> things right this is the time. If, if there's any, listen, we sat here and, and 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 begged for people to buy our fucking t-shirts. We've sat here and begged for people to throw us a couple bucks. Um, 
Let's let's have a little telethon. Let's have a little uh, uh, a little little something for Joel. What do you if you could have one thing that you don't have in your possession right now to get you through this? What would it be? I'm, I'm really racking my brains. I I can't think of anything, Damien, because it's not as if like I've got loads of free time to kill. So like like you suggested before to get a PlayStation or whatever, because I. I don't think I'd have the time to play it, so I'll I'll have. How a about think. this? How about how about two girls and an eight ball? Can would you want that? <laughs> <laughs> would that be good? Uh, can we make that happen? I'm sure we have some listeners that can help us out there, right? I'm in the right uh, city for it. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, you're right near. Is there is there a uh, a red light district uh, in that area? Yeah, I, I so I've heard. <laughs> I mean, not not that I've ever been there. <laughs> I would just ah yeah I would have to see that. All right, um, would that work? Would the would the strip clubs work with social distancing? No, I don't think so. Are they all open? I doubt it. Yeah. I can't imagine sex workers being able to get much done with like the yeah. <laughs> what is it the two meter rule or something. <laughs> right, we'll just you sit on one side of the bed. I'll sit on the other side. We'll just stare lovingly into each other's eyes for twenty minutes. <laughs> right, and then you give me right. two thousand baht. Right, right. I have this towel. I'll wave it violently. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> um, yeah, it would be that would be the most disappointing sexual experience ever. Be like, ah, finally. Oh, I can't. Oh, like, oh. Have you seen Demolition Man? Ah, uh, did I see? Is that with Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, it's uh, Sylvester oh. Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock. Where there's like a kind of dystopian future, and uh, Stallone is coming from the the past or, or what we would call the present and he goes into the future and then he's with Sandra Bullock and they go for a date and she's like would you like to have sexual intercourse and he's like yeah and then she's like putting on this helmet and then they're sort of sitting far apart and he's like what's going on and she was like what do you mean and he's like this is not having sex I'm regretting I'm regretting starting to describe this because it's not going to be funny <laughs> or interesting come on do it Dan you edit funny. that out <laughs> no keep it in there um we need all the content we can get. Um, it, it, what is it like? A, like a virtual helmet? Is that yeah, what we're basically. doing here? They're wearing virtual helmets, and then she's like, "Oh, the the transmission of bodily fluids was outlawed fifty years ago, or something like that." So no. that's where we are. All right. Well, look. <laughs> a bit like my sex life. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't think I could ever do that. Like wear a helmet and do that. Like the virtual reality thing. I don't think. I don't think I could ever do that. I say that, but without ever doing it but i don't know i just find i don't think strapping on a helmet to 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 jack off is really <laughs> something in my you know what i mean like it just seems no, like I, i'm an open-minded guy i would not i won't knock it until i've tried it so maybe someone send me a right. vr set and then we'll have something to talk about all right let's do that people can we get joel a vr set how much <laughs> how much are we looking at like 300 bucks no. I don't know. The best I can hope for from our listeners, and I will be very grateful to receive it, is probably crisps. But uh, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, I, I'm literally about two minutes away from this big supermarket where they've got a ton of imported stuff, and they've got like British crisps and food and stuff there. So I can't even play that angle because it's, you know, it's fairly reasonably priced. So, yeah. So we're still leaning toward the eight ball on the two girls. That's, that's what you tell <laughs> yeah, that, that is the, That's top of the list right now. <laughs> Okay, just let's all right. Just just make sure we're clear. What, what about a sort of political pressure campaign to get China to reopen? <laughs> yeah, 
We yeah, do we'll that. march down this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hold a rally in the streets of Haddon Township, New Jersey. Just to, <laughs> I'm sure that'll that'll Let that'll Joe be. Let <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that'll be a real mover and shaker. Oh crap! Um, I don't know, man. I just I don't I I sit and I think about you often. It, like just man, I I just want to I would like the best news would be you shooting me a text and being it's sorted. I'm on my way. Done. You know what I mean? Like that would be just such a relief. I don't know. I know you, that you do downplay it, and you're like, oh, well, I got this, and I got that, and I got, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you what, man. Your kid, what a life right now, huh? It, 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 yeah, the I stories. explaining that to you, that she was born during a fucking pandemic. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the first month and a half of her life is, was in a hotel room. It's pretty crazy. But uh, Truth be told, though, let's, let's, let's pull back the curtain a little bit here. That fucking hotel room is a nice hotel room. It's not like you're sitting in a... Yeah, it's hardly a hotel room, is it? It's more like an apartment. Yeah. Like, I've lived in smaller places than this. Right. Right. You were showing me some of them, and I was like, I don't think I've been in a a hotel that nice, to be quite honest, (laughs) ever. I've been in a couple nice ones, maybe similar to that. But that's probably, like, like, for me... The best hotel rooms I've ever been in. That's probably the room you're in. Um, I it, it, I think that what set me back was the uh, the jacuzzi spa in the, in the living room and the uh, <laughs> the stripper pole. That's that was yeah. Weird. It, it, that was if you if you picture that set for the that all the Japanese pornos are the swimming yeah. pool. That's that's what my hotel room looks like. This is it. Okay. It's funny because every time I see a porn. Um, I, I don't know if I told you this before, but like I look at like the furniture and I can tell which ones are from Ikea. <laughs> God, <I'm laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I know okay. that, that's the Slovagost. Yeah, I've got one of those at home. <laughs> right. I swear to God. I mean, look, my, truth be told. Pause uh, it. Cheryl, come and look. <laughs> right. You know this picture. She Put your dick back in your pants. Um, it, th- there's like pictures and... Uh, it's it's really the picture because I just remember this one print, um, and it's like four stones. It's like kind of like like you would find in a beach, and it's it's grayish and and white, and I just know it when I say it. And I well, one time I saw that, I was like, oh, I know that fucking print. you got that IKEA. Well, two guys are railing this. <laughs> I'm looking at the fucking print. I'm like, ah, oh, it's nice. I I know that one. Nice, nice table lamp too. I know that one too. Ah, porn. God bless you. Oh yeah, and I had to delete TikTok as I explained to you yesterday. Yeah, I was. Uh, you were getting. You were getting uh, lots of advertisements. Um, it wasn't. It, it's just like it, when you open it, it's got the for you like feed of suggested videos that the algorithm thinks that you will like, and mine was uh, just like. For some porn, reason, porn, seem porn. to be like <laughs> exclusively like women, uh, Asian women wearing not many clothes, doing sexy dancing. And I was like, I've used this app like twice. How does it already know <laughs> the kind of shit I like to look at? <laughs> so I kept getting distracted. So I, I had to get rid of it in the end. It was too much. Yeah, too much boner material. Yeah, I hear. I know it. Got a little baby now, Dave, and I can't just uh, <laughs> whip it out like I used to. <laughs> Should be scarred for life. <laughs> sure would. Don't do that. 
That would be terrible. Um, yeah, that's that's one thing that's considerably has dropped is that that um, I've taken your advice a couple times, and it's and it's uh, it's worked. We've done all right. With <laughs> you it. sound a bit more chipper than you usually do. <laughs> yeah, that's what your problem was. You were just all <laughs> clogged up down there, weren't you? <laughs> I guess so. Um, uh, it's it's hard to feel sexy during a pandemic. I get it. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I I do feel in a better mood this past couple of days. I don't know. Some I was having a conversation, and something kind of hit me hard. In that um, they were talking about how there's – when the world experiences things like this in, in a similar vein, there's always – like like if you were going to describe this, this would be a dark time, right, in the world's history. This would be a dark time. I think we could say that. Um. But there's always, at the end of that, there's always something that is amazing that comes out of it. And I'll give you like a maybe a terrible example, but I'll give you an example nonetheless. Um, like at the end of World War II, right? Um, nobody was thinking about you know, the Beatles, Right, and nobody was thinking about the fucking you know or Elvis or whatever the case may be. Um, and yet those like like the Beatles were like the first generation to come out of England that didn't have to worry about bombs being dropped on their head. Um, and I think that there's something to be said about that. And you look at all the times in 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 the world where where things have been sour. It almost always there's always some color that comes out, bright color that comes out at the end of that. Um, so I don't know why, but that really got me optimistic, and it really got me. And I don't know, you know, I might not even be alive for that to happen. Let's be truthful, but but I know that 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 always happens, and I don't know that really put me in a real comforting spot. And I and even in the short term, and and even in our little world of 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 pro wrestling and our little corner of that little corner, you know that there's going to be greatness that comes of this um, in the sense of creativity and new thought and fresh ideas and excellence at their, at, at their craft. Like I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm excited for what, once we get through this and we know we will get through this, like what is what what is going to be at the end? What, what what is going to be that that vibrant color that might change the world and might change how we think and might change I don't know music or art or film or um, pro wrestling. That got me excited, and I and, and that may have look. I'm not going to lie to you, Joel. Uh, you know. There are times where every day where it's like, you know, you fall into that funk and you, I guess you can't beat yourself up over it. I think that's, I think that that is an important thing because it's going to happen and it's going to happen a lot. Um, yeah. Sorry to just jump in, but there's, yeah. you know, all these people like 
oh, you should be using this time to learn a new skill and teach yourself this. And if you don't pick up all these new skills, then that's on you. You're a failure. It's like, fuck off. It's be yeah. kind to yourself, you know? This is a tough time. If you feel like you want to spend the day in bed watching YouTube videos of someone playing video games and eating junk food, then you fucking do it because yeah. you deserve it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree 100%. Like, just just find your healthiest way to get through this. Now, again, there are people that thrive on, I'm going to do 5,000 burpees and Hindu squats and fucking, and I'm going to do push-ups. I'm going to do it, make sure the camera's on to make sure everyone can see me doing these. Okay, great. That, if that's what floats your boat, fine, whatever. That's what gets you through. But if you can, if you want to eat a fucking entire cake in your bed nude while watching fucking, you know, I don't know, Game of Thrones, that's cool too. Find your groove. Um, if you want to sit there and play drums to the to the wee hours of the night, do it. If you want to rewatch pro wrestling, do it. Um, like I, you know, that people need that. But yeah, it's it's it. I, I it's going to happen. You're going to go through funks. Um, but know that everybody else is too. And I think that's the important thing too. Like. Because even Cheryl will be like, uh, you know, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling kind of blue about this. I'm, I'm not feeling great. Blah blah blah. And it's like it's cool. Feel it. And then you know it'll pass. <laughs> it always does. Uh, and just know that you know to expect it around the same time tomorrow. <laughs> <It's> fine. <laughs> you know, I spent half my day yesterday doing. When I was a kid, I had these. Uh... Two VHS tapes. One was Where's Wally? I don't know if you know Where's Wally or maybe Where's Waldo. On a, and it was Waldo. Yeah, sure. Right. Yep. And uh, a Super Mario Brothers cartoon. So I had these two VHS tapes and I've watched them so many times. And for some reason, I just ended up searching for them on YouTube and I found them. And so I just sat, I was just watching like these <laughs> fucking kids cartoons for half the day. And I felt good afterwards. So yeah, just listen to yourself and be kind to yourself. And it just, it's, it's all about surviving, isn't it? We're going to get through yeah. this, but you got to ride out those waves. And, you know, when you're feeling down, look after yourself, you know? Uh, 100%. Excellent. Excellently said. Um, let's talk pro wrestling. I have a couple things I want to talk to you about. And I want our listeners okay. to... Uh, I, yeah, to, I feel to... like the, the obligatory weekly question about the state of these shows, particularly the US shows, just get it out of the way. Um, Daryl... Sultana says, with the pre-sale of MSG show delayed once already, do we see it delayed slash cancelled altogether soon? So, uh, what's your feelings on this at the moment? Uh, I'm going to be truthful. And I, and I hate to ha- you know, come back from an upbeat number trying to get everybody's positive thoughts and everybody, you know, come on, you can get through it. Just, you know, do what you got to do. Um, Joe, I would be shocked if Madison Square Garden happens. And I think a lot of people have it in the back of their mind. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think they they announced this. But wasn't there supposed to be something in Chicago that they were going to announce? And I might be letting the cat out of the bag on that one. But um, I don't – I think Madison Square Garden can't possibly happen. Um, I think it would be irresponsible of the company to move forward in something like that right now. Um, Can I jump in with another question with an alternative? Mark on the Discord says, would New Japan have to hope for a forced cancellation by city or state for Wrestle Dynasty like the Collective and WrestleCon tried to wait for, or do they have a different type of situation? So um, That I don't know. How does this play out? 
Yeah, I don't – that I don't know. I mean I don't know what kind – I mean again, I don't know if there's a deposit that they have to put down to hold the date or or what that involves. Um, no tickets went on sale, so it's not like they have to refund anything from that perspective where you know, a lot of times for like WrestleMania and all those independent shows, the biggest challenge was getting refunding tickets because – it was the ticket vendors, you know, the people, the third party who were selling the tickets that were holding up the, the refunds. Um, StubHub, all that shit. Ticketmaster. Is it Ticketmaster? So it's still Ticketmaster. <laughs> That's a small thing. Um, it is. So luckily, New Japan wouldn't have that type of issue if, if in fact, they, they went forth and said, okay, we're, we, we can't possibly do this. I don't know. Like the the good news is is that New Japan Pro Wrestling has been very proactive. It feels like in getting ahead of it and being realistic and being logical and looking at the data and looking at the information and saying, okay, we can't possibly run shows in Japan. If they look at the data, if they look at the numbers, if they look at where things are trending, if they look at anything, and I'm sure that they have people on the ground um, in New York. You know, maybe I mean I don't even know if 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 he's there now, Tiger Hattori. I think he might still be in Japan, um, but he he has a place in New York, and I'm sure he has people in New York that keeps him informed. He was doing that little chat show thing with Okada on Worlds a few weeks yeah. ago, so I think he's still in Japan. Yeah. So, I mean, they know, they know that they, they, they. I'm sure they're they're kept abreast of the situation. Um. I'm I'm going to say, and I'll stick my neck out and say that while I hope and pray to the pro wrestling gods and whatever gods that would influence this type of thing, um, that it does happen, that we're all able to go to Madison Square Garden safely and enjoy a pro wrestling show together. Because let's be honest, the most memorable moments in our lives are when you are with groups, whether that's a concert, sporting event, a wedding, whatever. It's those type of events. We're, we're human beings. That's just what we thrive for and thrive on, even though we sit here and complain about people all the time. The truth be told, if you look back in your life, a lot of those moments are with large crowds. I can't see it happening. I can't see I, – I can't – I say that there is a there is less than a fifty percent chance of New Japan coming to America. Period. I, I just don't see how this Madison Square Garden show can 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 happen. Um, what if they borrow some of that magic spray that Triple H was talking about that you can spray over all the surfaces <laughs> and nothing gets infected? Get a, a lot of it and just hose it down i like drive in like steve R. austin in the beer truck and just start spraying well, um, i was watching naked gun the other day uh that oh, scene okay. where they're wearing the giant like body body size condoms yes. that's wrestling those yes that would be, be fantastic to have everyone wear one uh so i'll go on the record and say that it's not happening. I'll go on the record and say it's not happening. Um, and and with with the hope and prayer that I'm dead fucking wrong, 
I just don't see it happen. How about you, Joel? I think at the very least it will get delayed again, but probably cancelled. Just the state of things in New York at the moment, I, I can't see that being a good idea to even think about going ahead with that. Yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be tough ticket to sell. Nobody's going n- look. When, when when were they going to put on tickets uh, on sale? Yeah. They moved it to May. Yeah, and I said before, even people in our circles who are big fans of New Japan were saying, mm, I don't know if I'm going to buy a ticket for this. I'm not sure I fancy it with everything that's going on. So even if they were to go on sale, you'd have to think a, a sizable proportion of the the market, like you know, the target audience for this, won't want to go. The problem is this. Disposable income is now a thing that eh, people aren't really into. And what do I mean by that? Like you're you're buying food, right? You're buying sanitizers and masks. And that $500 ringside seat doesn't seem as appealing right now. Because trust me, if you had $500 extra to spend, you're either buying stuff like that or you're saving your money. Um, because you don't know if you're going to have a job, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, so, yeah. Um, look, I want it to happen in the worst way. I, it, what, a, what a great weekend it would be. What a great weekend it would be. Um, I, I just, I just don't see how it happens. Um, and I think... I think everybody kind of I don't know if everybody sees it my way but it just just in talking to people that I know um and and the the logic that New Japan has demonstrated during this whole crisis I, I I'm just putting two and two together and uh we'll put it on hold and we'll see where we where we go from here. Um, if if that does happen, Joel, they give me a. I know, I know it's impossible, but give me a time frame. Do you think they just hop right into G one? I guess is my question. Mm. I was wondering about that. If they would shuffle things around, like. For example, if they're back by then and they're facing the the World Tag League, I wonder if they scrap might think, the World Tag League. Scrap that scrap and the, replace that yep. with Best of the Super Juniors. That's a great idea, actually. That is a great idea. I mean, if we're back and, and we're running, the, the, this this autumn uh, time would be G1, Best of the Super Juniors, and, and then, then you could do Wrestle best of the King. Super Juniors winner gets the junior shot at Wrestle Kingdom or whatever. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That So right, let's do this. Being that we're all over the place and it's, uh, it's one of those shows. So if that's the case, if they come back, G1, best of the Super Junior. Mm-hmm. What's Wrestle Kingdom? What's Wrestle Kingdom? In what sense? What's give me your give me your main event? 
Uh, well, my feeling f- from the start has been Okada Naito rematch. So I think Okada wins G1. Naito's still champion. Mm-hmm. And then they, they run it back. I guess they'd have to. Would that I mean, give what, them. What other money matches have they got? Here's the thing with that, though. I They can make money matches. Right now, in their pocket, they don't have anything. But, I, I, like, I don't know. I find that... Oh, and there's something to be... Like, the, the January 4th Tokyo Dome show, the, sort of the attraction and the brand power of that, in and of itself, is enough to, I think, shift most of those tickets, to be fair. I hope so. I think I think this will be a very low-attended low Wrestle Kingdom. You're not going to get the, you know, the ten thousand foreign travelers. That 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 number is going to be cut down significantly, I would think. Anybody that I talk to about it is like, no, not this year. No, not this year. No, not this year. We got a really um, interesting question from Anwar Starwin who says, "In the darkest timeline scenario, if foreign fans are forced to quarantine for two weeks upon entering Japan, how much would that affect the turnout for Wrestle Kingdom?" A lot. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's nobody's nobody. Look, I'm not going on a fucking airplane for 14 hours in a recycled fucking air tube for 14 hours. I don't care what I don't give a shit what disinfectant everything. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if I fly business, there's nobody near me. I'll go. <laughs> but but um, yeah. Actually, I mean, now you mentioned it, there there was an interview on the website, which Cola Blue on Twitter directed me towards. uh, Question, who had the most devastating put-down? Naito calling Ibushi a geek or Ibushi calling Naito a delicate flower that needs the water of attention? But there was a really interesting tidbit in there that Naito was saying, why not just have the Wrestle Kingdom main event being him versus Hiromu? Naito, he, he says, he'll enter the G1, he'll win the G1, and winning the G1 as champion, then he'll face Hiromu. I think that's what he said anyway. Right. Um, I, you know, I'm going to be truthful. I don't... I, I, I would be fine with anything. <laughs> right? Anybody who's going to sit there and fucking wag a finger over what this fucking Wrestle Kingdom main event is going to be can get right up the street. We, 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 we've lost six, seven months or will be losing six, seven months. Key shows. Like... You you got to give every pro wrestling company a bit of a pass here when it comes to building storylines and shit like that, right? It's going to be a little bit of a different year. We can hit reset come January one or you know January five or you know dash. Um, but until that t- time, if we're talking about storylines and we don't have enough build and all that nonsense, who gives a fuck? Let's get people back into the ring, uh, and let's start from there. Uh, let's not. All right. Well, uh, back to your question. So, uh, Japanese Retro Game Center said, "Let's do some hypotheticals. What will Wrestle Kingdom's attendance look like on January 4, twenty one? I'm thinking around thirty k, with a decrease due to a lack of foreign fans making the trip for obvious reasons. Let's hear your predictions. So, if you had to give like a ballpark figure, what would you say? Yeah, I would probably say thirty. Low, probably thirty would be where we would f- sit. I think. I think. Yeah. But again, I think there's a lot that plays into it. 
I mean, you do want a sexy main event, absolutely, right? You want something that that will at least get people interested in, in at least thinking about buying a ticket. I think, again, it's not a huge, massive factor, but it's a significant factor of people flying in for the show. It has become a bit more of a destination event as as the years go on. I think that's going to be eliminated. Not eliminated, but it's going to be cut down considerably. I don't know if the idea of social distancing and all of that is, I want to say, relevant. Here's here, and the only reason I say that is this: even when this was all going down in the early days, you still had packed trains right, in Tokyo. Right? You still had, you know, nightlife going on until they finally said, "Okay, we're going to try our best to 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 squash that down, get some social distancing happening." I don't know if 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 they say okay everything's fine we're 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 go- we're going back to somewhat normal. Um, are people going to go back to baseball games? Are people going to go back to r- large wrestling events? I I kind of feel like th- there's a different mentality, and and they would. Whereas I just I don't know if I feel it the same here. I feel like there is that apprehension here of we need to have a fucking antibody or we need to have some type of uh, vaccine or, you know, for this before everyone's going to get back to that normalcy of, of, of this. Um, I don't know if that's the same way in Japan. I don't. I don't know if, they, if the government just says, okay, we look to be clear. Well, let's open it up. And everybody just kind of, okay, let's go. And you know, thirty thousand, forty thousand people make it to the dome. I think thirty thousand is is a is a good guesstimate for this year's Wrestle Kingdom as of right now. All right. Well, that's all the questions we've got about prognostications over Wrestle Kingdom. Um, Shall we move on to our classic watch along? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Maybe let's do it in chronological order. So that would mean the first match we have would be the IWGP Tag Team Championship match between Kira Maeda and Nobuhiko Takada versus Keiji Muto and Shiro Koshinaka from 20th of March 1987, uh, which you mentioned last week, Damon, very much on New Japan Worlds. Do you want to set the table for us, give us the context on this, a bit of background? Yeah, so again, keep in mind, uh, Takata, Maeda, um, they had a reputation, um, and they were and, and New Japan played off of that reputation of being pro wrestlers that were a little bit different, a little bit outside the box with uh, UWF involvement. Um, I mean, the promotion heavily pushed that UWF ism. Uh, they they would sell merchandise, you know. It's oh, 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 not to a to a to a huge, you know, not not that it was so carried away that it, it was like an NWO, but to kind of think of it as something like that in the sense of this is a a I don't want to say a rival promotion, but a a a more than just a faction. Let's put it that way, um, and how they were treated. 
I love this tag team so much. And if you th- if if you look up at, at the bodies that are in that ring, um, I mean, Shiro Koshinaka had had a, had a pretty good run, and and there were times where he was upper mid card, um, and there were times where he would challenge for for titles. So he, it's not like he wasn't a a, a main player and a main piece of New Japan for many years. Wasn't like a top guy, but always a nice in the mix. Um. And then you have Kenji Moto, who, you know, goes on to be arguably their top star in the 90s. And these two other guys who changed the course of, of pro wrestling and, dare I say, MMA. Like, if it wasn't for that fucking shoot kick, let's be, let's be very truthful here. If it wasn't for that fucking... Selfish shoot kick by Maeda on Choshu. In 1987, we wouldn't have the the second version of UWF that blew for up. uninitiated, could you just summarize that for us? Yeah. So, um, again, they always had a bit of a, a uh, tough guy reputation, like a shooter reputation in New Japan. Um, Maeda and, and the original Tiger Mask formed the original UWF and they broke up. Um, a lot of it had to do with stylistic things where Sayama and, and, and wanted to do one thing and Maido kind of wanted to do another thing. And then there was also finances and all that stuff. So that fell apart. Maida comes back. Uh, and again, has this reputation of being this fucking tough guy. Like there's, there's stuff online. Um, the uh the Andre the Giant shoot where it was just Maeda kicking the fuck out of Andre in his legs, um and Anoki has to come out and stop the match and shit. That's online. Um, so he always had this bit of of a rep. Uh, Takata um, had a rep, but not like a, like as much as it felt like Maeda did. Uh, but they were two peas in a pod with this UWF idea. Um, so. Match 87 uh, was a multi-man tag match. It wasn't even televised. It was just some fucking house show. And uh, Ricky Choshu has – it was tense the whole match. And even the, the crowd really got behind Maeda just because he had this shooter rep. It was just – it was a weird thing. Like they almost egged it on it felt like. Uh, Choshu has – I couldn't even tell you who it was in the Scorpion Deathlock. And Maeda comes in to break up the, the, the fall and just belts him right across the eye with a kick. Choshu goes down, covers his face. He got fucked up. Um, and then, then the whole match kind of disintegrates. And Choshu wants to get back at Maeda to kick his fucking ass, or at least try to. Match breaks down. You know, this is all like a handheld. Um, somebody to videotape it. Uh, so Maeda gets suspended. This is toward the end of the year uh, of '87, and it was a weird time because at the end of the year, keep in mind they had that sumo hall show where they build up to Choshu and Anoki that got all fucked up, and that's where. Vader debuted and everybody hated it and there was a riot in the fucking building 
and they tore down Sumo Hall. They, they were started to light the fucking building on fire because because of the fuck job finish that they were they were presented. Um, and Choshu was starting to get a little bit. Um, I'm gonna say non pushed, but it was just you know you could tell he was getting pushed aside for this Vader thing in '88. Anywho, Maeda forms. You know he's suspended, but then he winds up. They don't renew his contract. It was him and Yamasaki. Uh, they all formed UWF the second round, the second time around, and it blew up. I mean, they were selling out Tokyo Domes, buildings for this shoot style kind of pro wrestling that you know turned into UWFI, which then turned into you know you could argue Pride, right? Which turned into a Big fucking thing, MMA in Japan. So I remember one person tweeting out, um, like MMA started it with Maeda and 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 Sayama, not a bunch of pajama wearing Brazilians. <laughs> um, uh, I just remember that tweet. So funny. Uh, but yeah, that's. I mean, I just gave you the history of Japanese pro wrestling in in ten minutes. But yeah, that was it. And I know we're talking about this match in particular, this title match. So again, this was a Cork and Hall, and um, crowd was red hot. Even though they loved Takata and Maeda, they always felt like you know root for the underdogs, and that's what they got here with Muda and uh, Koshinaka. Um, they 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 fought back and forth a few times, and again, you're getting Muda before he's you know knees are banged up, and this is pre. Excursion to Florida, WCW, turning into the Great Muda. This is before that. Uh, it feels like you got all these guys at their peak. Takata, I fucking love Takata. Um, and if you like kicks, if you like spots where they sit and sh- exchange elbows and shots to the chest to kind of you know your your strongman spots, imagine that with kicks. Right, that's that's what Maeda and Takada brought to the table. You know, they they remind me a bit of Red Dragon. I'm sure Red Dragon were influenced by them, but just sort of the style, the kind of hybrid MMA, and the kickboxing and all that stuff. It just reminded me of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, everything looked strong. Everything looked snug. Nothing looked weak. Um, And the thing about it is, is that Maeda is is really a big dude, like super tall. He's just a monster. So yeah, I, I mean, I love all these series of matches. Again, I've been going going back and watching '87, and I'm kind of getting into '88 now. And yeah, the heat in the building. I think the the match itself is pretty great. Um, yeah, I I just think like, like I said, watching back '87, this match stuck out like a sore thumb to me of of being oh what a, what a great moment, what a great time, all the talent that's in the ring. All of them at arguably some of the the, the peak physically, um, the heat in the building, the title change, um, yeah, I'm, I was totally into this one. Yeah, I noticed. Uh, I was quite surprised as well. Just huge Koshinaka chance. The crowd really seemed to love him at Korakuen, and yeah, just like you said, that the kicks when Takada throws that huge head kick near the start. I, I love that. Just really dangerous looking kicks in general, and then. Like when they actually engage for the first time, Takada nearly just rips his arm off. Uh, and I also thought like the Koshinaka and Maeda exchanges were really great. 
Like there was a bit where there was a jumping hip attack into a German suplex and the, the chops, really, really meaty stuff. And I just enjoy the moments where they abandon all the fancy shit and just start kicking lumps out of each other. So, uh, yeah, Koshinaki was a really great baby face and peril crowd really into him. And then when he, there's that moment he nearly gets the inside cradle and then there was a the backslide after that and you can hear all the women screaming. It's just like, you yeah. know, that sound that we associate with like a, you know, John Cena in the WWE in the mid-2000s. But yeah, definitely getting vibes of that here. And just a really like breathless, frenetic pace and sense of urgency. Uh, and again, it's just there's something about this era and uh, pile drivers. A double team pile driver was just a transition spot with zero reaction from the crowd, which I thought was wild. And, and I thought in the finish it was quite unusual that they repeated the inside cradle spot for the win. Uh, but yeah, like you, I mean, this match is really making me like Takada almost reminds me a bit of Shibata get those sort of vibes from him and I want to see more of him so I'd like to do another Takada match at some point maybe I've, I've heard the Hashimoto match is supposed to be really good but I'll run a pencil yeah. for a future watch along yep any of them um, I, I, would, I, I would share my entire 87 catalog with you um, there's a match with with uh, Maeda and um, Masa Saido uh, that turns into a bit of a bloodbath which is pretty cool um, I mean, there's stuff with with uh, Fujinami that is is pretty great. '87 is one of my favorite years, and here's the thing: '87 is one of my favorite years, Joel. But even then, there's stuff that you like you're left fucking with your head scratching over booking, right? Like they 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 had this Fujinami Anoki feud that they were building for for it felt like months, and then they just fucking dropped it. Like they never had the singles match. They never like carried it through they never like you're, you're it was baffling and frustrating yet 87 was one of my favorite years of all time um so like when people complain about booking and complain about i mean i'm gonna be honest with you there's even the best have moments that leave you scratching your head um but 87 87 88 is good um again we're getting into more uh vader stuff um but i love i love eight, 87 had the uh the, the stuff at sumo the midsummer night dream shows great yeah um uh, I'll, I'll definitely help you out there definitely look into takata um i think that tag team is what that tag team is in my top three favorite tag teams of all time absolutely and the next match we looked at chronologically was the IWGP Championship match between Yuji Nagata and Manabu Nakanishi from the 9th of March 2003. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, this was in the middle of quite a long run for Nagata. He won it on April 5th, 2002 and held it all the way until May 2nd, 2003. So he got in... 10 successful defenses, I believe. So can you set the table for us for this match, please? Yeah. Well, first, uh, for me, I feel like Nagata is... People throw around underrated a lot, right? And I really feel like fans today don't get a full sense of Yuji Nagata. And I only because he... You know, as as New Japan's popularity across the world grew, him, you know, physically and, and his career declined. So they were on 
polar opposite slopes. He, he's had some fucking pretty amazing matches. I don't know if this is one of the greatest matches he's ever been in, but he's been in some fucking great matches. Um, and that run is is pretty tremendous. Uh, <sighs> Am I right in saying he was hamstrung by the, the quote-unquote Enochism? The fact that Enoki expected his top stars to be legit fighters. So he was thrown to the walls and had two, like his first two MMA fights were against Fedor Emelianenko and Mirko Krokop, who are like two of the greatest heavyweights in the whole history of the sport. So uh, if it weren't for that, then he could have been a much bigger star. He was, he was treated somewhat unfairly. Would that be fair to say? I think so. I mean, I don't think anybody would, would dispute that. And I get what the thought process was because let's be let's be truthful. Pro wrestling really wasn't the cool thing at that time. It really wasn't. Um, and the yeah, idea this was like the, of, the big Kakatoki boom, and everyone in Japan is excited by like pride. That was a sort of kicking right. off at that point, right? And they wanted to kind of grab that, and that's always been like so. Anoki to me, felt like a guy that always wanted a piece of that pie. Like, he always wanted pro wrestling to be that. Um, I mean, proof's in the pudding with all of his mixed martial arts matches with, you know, all these different fighting styles and boxers and you name it. He wanted to be, you know, viewed as the king of sport and as the king of sport, the king of that king of sport. I mean, it kind of would have made and, sense at the time, right? I mean, it's easy for us in 2020 to look back and say, oh, we shouldn't have done that. But at the time, MMA was really increasing in popularity. So it, right. it, it made sense, didn't it, that you want to capitalize on that somehow and uh, you know, try and get some of the momentum and excitement for mixed martial arts and funnel it over to pro wrestling as much as you can. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's... I mean, you can't fault the guy for for wanting that. Now, he's always wanted that, and now it's it's at a point where it's booming, and he doesn't feel like he has the biggest piece of that, right? Like, like you're imagine you're Antonio Noki, and you spent the entire duration of New Japan Pro Wrestling to that point of establishing their pro wrestlers as the, what you know, MMA is doing in, in a relatively short amount of time. You know, they, 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 you, you kind of feel like, well, what the fuck? This should be us. So there, 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 there probably was a little bit of shoehorning in their pro wrestlers to partake in MMA stuff that, quite honestly, they probably shouldn't have. Um, if the sh- if like looking at it now and looking at it you know with a little bit of clearer eyes honestly you could see it's a, it's a mistake right but let me let me just play a what if what if yuji nagata got a win over any one of those two guys yuji nagata would be a massive star yuji nagata would be talked about in, in in a very similar breath the way that Sakuraba is talked about, right? Like, 
Like if he got if he pulled out a win, and that's what Nanoki was just putting all his fucking chips on, mind you. But if he got a win, imagine that. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here. Are are these fights on the up and up? Do we do we do, are we one hundred percent certain that these fights are one hundred percent shoots? Well, in Pride, I think there are a lot of reports that say that some fights were quite clearly uh, not legit. You know, I, I don't want to go on record or anything, but yeah, there, there are opinions out there if you look for them. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if, if is this a case of poor booking, right? Where a guy's going to go under either way. Um, but let's just call it a legit shoot MMA fight. And Yuji Nagata wins. I mean, we're talking about a guy now that it, at the height of, of MMA mania in Japan, imagine what that would have done to his career. I mean, I think we would be talking about Yuji Nagata at a, at a, in a, in a different level of respect than maybe he gets right now. And, 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 and I don't think that's his fault. No, I guess everyone was sort of hoping to get Brock Lesnar. I mean, of course, this was before Brock Lesnar became a big MMA star. But, you know, if you've got a pro wrestler who turns out to be a legit mixed martial arts star, as Lesnar did, you know, started off in WWF, had, had his... Oh, no, it would have been WWE then, actually. And then the failed NFL thing, but then transitioned over to UFC, ends up becoming heavyweight champion. Then you've hit the jackpot. If you you know if if and when you decide to go back to pro wrestling because you can say you know I'm a legitimate shoot fighter like I'm you know baddest man on the planet or whatever yeah uh, uh, look I just I I feel bad for him specifically like when everybody points to uh you know Anoki get dipping his toes into the MMA stuff and having his his pro wrestlers get involved in it a little bit more. Like, I just feel like he's the one guy that took the fall in a lot of ways, right? And he took he took he took the biggest loss. I feel like, um, and 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 I think that hurts him even in his pro wrestling career of not getting the the love that I think he deserves. Um, again, he's had some great matches. G1s are always pretty spectacular too um, and I just don't think he gets the credit that's due him um, and again a lot of that has to do with the fact that again New Japan upswing his career downswing um, but I think people I'm not going to say owe it to him because nobody owes anything nothing but I, I, I think if you're looking for a hidden gem that maybe you might not be too aware of it. We sat here and talked about Maeda and Takata. Go back and watch those old Yuji Nagata matches if you're if you're looking for something. Um, I think those are things that even get left under the radar from massive pro wrestling fans um, when when it comes to recommendations. So yeah, uh, I, again, I feel like he got the short end of the stick in all this. We've been talking a lot about Nagata, but the reason I picked this match actually was because I wanted to find a genuinely good or very good. 
Malibu Nakanishi match because, of course, he's recently retired and I wanted to dip back and see when he was at his prime. So, in this at this time, early 2003, was there any chance... Do you remember when you were following it as a fan? Was there any chance that Nakanishi was going to win this one, that he was going to win the, the big belt? Like, What was the perception and the placement of Nakanishi at the time? I don't know about this match specifically. Um, I mean, he was always a, a big player like he had that they they all follow that same path Nagata Tenzan um Kojima and Nakanishi were always kind of lumped in that same we you know how we talk about you know dojo classes they were always kind of lumped in that same group he I mean look he was I don't know if if I would say he was groomed to be uh, I uh, heavyweight champion. I don't know if, if 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 he you know like he was like a chosen one where you knew right out of the gate. Oh, that's a guy like again maybe an Okada or maybe a uh, Fujinami or a uh, I won't even say Choshu just because of all the political dealings. But you know what I mean. Like he was never. I don't. I don't. Never got the sense that Nakanishi was the guy that they were grooming. To be the guy, I think he became a guy um, that they that they would put in that position only because they spent so much time invested in him, right? And and um, that it was, a, it was a, you know, and and truth be told, they didn't feel like they had a lot of other options at the time. I could be dead wrong, but my recollection is that they didn't really have all that much to fucking go for um, at the time. So yeah. Uh, I guess those two factors being the biggest factor of they spent so much time invested in him. So why not? Let's give him a shot. And two, I don't really think they had a lot of great options to go with. See, when I opened this match up on New Japan World and I saw the length of the file, I was like, fuck, what have I done? <laughs> what have I let myself in for? But I can safely say I, it f- flew by, honestly. You know, it's an yeah. incredibly long match, but it didn't feel like it was padded out, really. And the crowd helped play into that because <laughs> there was a group of lads at the start who had like their little coordinated screen for Nakanishi. You could hear them be like, three, two, one, Nakanishi! Which I thought was really funny. And, I mean, you did get the feeling that they were going to go Broadway early on, just the way that they were pacing themselves. But I still found it really compelling because even from early on, you got Nagata laying the kicks in. Like, the work was all very snug. And the match was a slog but in a good way and like, everything looks painful I thought Nakanishi's selling was really good like when he was in the figure four because the, you know that's what the match was built around the, the selling of his leg which is uh, it, you know some facets of your ring work you never really lose but you just don't get the chance to show it like you used to so this is not something that I as a modern fan are used to seeing from Nakanishi but he was really good at it but I mean even back then this is what 17 years ago he wasn't particularly mobile but there's right. a real weight and a sense of purpose about everything that he does and everything in this match, really. I mean, we've got the story of Nagata chopping down Nakanishi's leg and any matches where you've got, like, the, you know, where they chop each other and you get the spray of sweat just uh, illuminated by the light. That always pops me, and there's plenty of that here. And in this match, you've got an hour, and Nakanishi just takes an obscene amount of punishment. Like, most of the match is Nagata basically kicking seven shades of shit out of the big man 
but he he will occasionally fire back with a big power move, like a big fall away slam, and it's really dramatic just because of the way that it's, it's laid out like that. It, there's a Simpsons episode where Homer becomes a boxer and like he wins his matches because he absorbs so much punishment that his opponent gets tired and he's able to knock them out. So, and actually, for all I say about Nakanishi's lack of mobility, his ability to to bump is spot on and a lot of the match is him desperately trying to weather the storm and stay on his feet while Nagata's laying into him but in those choice moments where Nagata like for example takes one of his legs out he goes absolutely flying and it just looks tremendous to see such a big guy crash and burn like that so I was surprised like how much babyface energy there was for a big lad like Nakanishi. And there were just great dramatic peaks like the, the top rope flying lariat, which gets a huge crowd response. Again, just because of the pacing and the structure of the match. And as we got towards the end, it, it had like a similar energy to a big UFC title fight that goes deep into the championship rounds where both guys have beaten the hell out of each other like... Uh, Roy McDonald against uh, Lawler or Shogun versus Henderson matches like that and you're not getting any thrilling high flying or fancy moves but just an absolute dogfight between two pros who are given no quarter and like even late into the match when the crowd are fully behind Nakanishi and chanting his name and they're desperate for him not to tap out to Nagata's wide array arsenal of nasty submissions and you see him like frenetically elbowing his way out of a backdrop driver hold and it's like the expression of panic on Nakanishi's face really sells that sense of danger and then every bit of offense that he gets in is like it's seized upon it's celebrated by the crowd who just seem desperate for him to win like for example there was a bit where he, he gets a rear waist lock and the crowd are just losing their minds because they think there's a big suplex coming and in the closing stretch, you always get this with the, the matches that I sort of approach the time limit. That buzz from the crowds, that sense of excitement, and you get this sort of kind of fever pitch of noise. And like Nakanishi's going for the, the cheeky little inside cradle, the roof's about to come off, and then there's the, the German suplex faint into the roll up, and he's just like desperately trying to think, ah, oh, I've got, you know, five seconds left. What what can I do to, to get the win out with, the, you know, seconds ticking away on the clock? And he goes for the scoop slam, and then the bell goes. I just thought it was incredibly dramatic, and I was just so impressed with this match, even though it was an hour long. I loved it, I thought it was terrific. Wow. Yeah, you definitely liked it a lot more than I did. Um, I liked the match. Uh, and I guess this might be me to a fault. And I'll ask you this, because I, I, I don't see it, that it does, but I'll ask you. Is this a match that holds up? And I'll say this. this is, a, is this a match that holds up with matches that were great before it? Or... Is this a match that is that holds up to matches after it? Like, could you plop this match on a modern day New Japan show, and do you think it would fit? Do you think it would be, you know, would we be raving about it? And do you think that it matches before it? You know, maybe some some classic matches that you watched before. Do you think that those matches outperformed this match? I think it's a question of your expectations going in it because maybe for a contemporary audience who were used to watching, you know, big heavyweight mixed martial arts fight, this might have tickled that itch, you know. And if you go into it and you know what to expect from Nagata, you know what to expect from Nakanishi, this is about as good as you could hope for an hour-long match between them. 
I don't think you would have something like that these days because if you're going to go Broadway with a big New Japan match, then it's usually an athletic spectacle where, you know, it's guys like Okada and Omega where they can do, you know, a little bit of everything, you know, some high flying, maybe a, you know, a table spot here. And it's not just two big dudes just like beating the crap out of each other in the middle of the ring. So I'm not sure it would hold up with a modern audience, but I kind of feel that at the time it would have been exciting for me to watch. Yeah. Yeah. To me, like, I've, as a comparison, that tag match, I, I really feel like you could put that tag match and you could put it on World Tag League this year and it would fit absolutely perfectly. And again, this is a match from 1987, right? Whereas this match, I don't know if I could, if I could say the same. Um, and I, I really feel like it encapsulates an absolute style and moment of pro wrestling. Like, 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 you know how, like, when you hear 80s music and it's like, oh, that's definitely 80s music. The drums, this, the synths, yep, okay, that's an 80s tune. Or even, oh, that's a 90s song, the grungy guitar. But, like, that is the epitome of 2000, early 2000 pro wrestling, Japanese pro wrestling anyway. Like, the, the, the big men, maybe not as mobile, um, uh, you know, the, the beefiness, the MMA influence, um, I'll tell you what, I never expected an hour, right? <laughs> That's one thing for sure. Uh, I thought they did good with the hour that they had, but yeah, this this is this is a match that fits perfectly in that early 2000s bubble. Yeah. I think with this style of match these days, you do get this kind of match, but it's like a never open weight title fight and it's like 20, maybe 25 minutes. Right. You wouldn't get an right. hour of this. Right. Right, I think an hour is is a little bit of an overkill. Yeah, I would agree. All right, there you go. What did you think? Give me give me um, give me a scale of one to ten of your enjoyment on this match particular. Um, the first half of it wasn't very exciting because I knew that it was going to go long. So there's only so much drama you can get. It does sort of compromise the the dramatic integrity of the match when you know that it's going long, but. I enjoyed the second half of it so much that I'd be willing to slap a hearty four stars on it. I I enjoyed oh, it a lot. Okay. Yeah, so that's about I'm about there. I'm like three and three quarters for you know, scale of one to ten, maybe I'm in like the six sevens. Um Okay. That's, that's, that's I, and I don't want to I like I don't want to be one of these people that's like, oh well the, you know, nothing happened in the first 20 minutes in the match but the closing stretch was really exciting so four and a half stars you know because that's nonsense but the the first half was good and it made sense with the story but it wasn't dramatic so right. there you go that, that's my th- thoughts on it um, our next match then was G1 Climax 22 final because you've got Okada versus Carl Anderson from the 12th of August 2012 which you can hear uh, a watch along with the uh, great Kevin Kelly and Gino Gambino and Chris Charlton. They stole our idea, Damon. They they did a podcast <laughs> on it that was released just yesterday, or maybe it was earlier today. So, uh, yeah, if you want some further information on that, you can just listen to their podcast instead. So, uh, moving on to our final match. No, I'm joking. Um, right. I mean, we picked this I was one. Like, because... I was actually <laughs> thrilled that you said that. I was like, all right, fuck yeah, do that. <laughs> no, I, I want to talk about this match because I, oh. I think it's... 
a safe bet that Machine Gun Carl Anderson might be on his way back to New Japan Pro Wrestling sooner or later. So I wanted to see what he was all about. And this was a really interesting time because I don't think many people were expecting this to be the G1 Climax final. And of course, Damon, you can set the table for us. But this is before the Bullet Club. And this was the same year as the Okada Rainmaker Shock. So I think the year before, 2011, what what was it? Like Naito Nakamura G1 final? So I think people were surprised to see this as the final. And Carl Anderson is in a very interesting spot. I mean, this is a huge opportunity for him. So give us a feel for where Anderson was in the pecking order at the time and what fans thought of him. Uh, I mean, to me, he was... Middle middle of the card guy. Um, I don't know if there was no indication that he was going to do as well as he did, but there were, to me there really wasn't a great like like it wasn't like you were going into G one thinking Carl Anderson's the guy, right? Um, with that being said, his performance you could say, you know. Any any other year after that, it's like okay, he's he's a main player now. Um, like I, I he I don't want to I don't want to just cop out and say he was just a guy because he because he felt a little bit more than that. Like you know what he reminded me of, um, back then to 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 a guy that um we talked about many times, especially during G1, was Tamatanga. Coincidentally, Bullet Club, right? Um, right, he was in Carl Anderson's corner in this match. Yeah. Um, like, when we would always talk about Tamatanga being in G1 and how well he could do and how he should get a shot, and even in New Japan Cup, like, that was a lot of talk of, of like, Carl Anderson. Um, he had... Some stuff with Goto, right? He had um, refresh my memory. He had some uh, tag league. They, they won tag league that yeah, year, twenty twelve, yeah. as Sword and Guns. Yeah, he's. I don't like. He's not underrated, but like, all right, so to answer the question, going into G one, no one, I, at least no one that I talked to anyway, was was like, okay, he's the guy that's going to do it. But then he was. Collecting wins, collecting wins, collecting wins, collecting wins. Um, to me, this is... I mean, look, sorry, looking at this G1 block that he's in. Yujiro Takashi, Toriyano, Naomichi Marafuji, Satoshi Kojima, Minoru Suzuki, Yuji Nagata, Shelton Benjamin, Hiroshi Tanahashi. I mean, he's winning this block over some pretty big names, you know, like Tanahashi, Nagata, Suzuki, Kojima. This, this, you know, it's not nobody's that he's beating on his way to get there. Right, right. I mean, it, it, they announced those blocks... I don't think anybody's like circling Carl Anderson's name on that you know, to get out of that that block. And the performance that he had, keep in mind, he's wrestling. I mean, arguably two of the greatest pro wrestlers in modern pro wrestling. Um, so you know, you you have nice dance partners to to, to do this with. And but this he's was back in the day back- when it was on this. Sorry, on the same night. So it's not like yeah. it is now where you get A block and B block finals on the separate day to the final. So earlier on that day, Carl Anderson, well, I say earlier in the day, I mean, it would have been, what, shortly before the intermission, Carl Anderson right. wrestling Tanahashi and managing to get a win over him. 
Right, which which is a, a pretty great match in and itself. Um, and I think that was the biggest shock, right? Um, I mean, obviously him not winning, you know, is <laughs> would have put a, put the uh, the cherry on top, mind you. Um, but yeah, I don't think anybody sat there. I think he was one of those guys where it was like, okay, this is where he loses. Okay, this is where he loses. Okay, this is where okay he's going to get point eliminated. Okay, this is and he constantly didn't <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, and then when he had the chance, you know, the winner of of Tanahashi and 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 Carl Anderson, you know, taking on um, Okada. Again, I don't think anybody. I, I, again, it wasn't like we had a podcast, and it wasn't like you know I was you know jumping around online talking to a million people about it. But at least in the small little pocket of people that I knew that would, would that was talking about this or that I would see, I don't remember Carl Anderson ever being the guy that they were like, okay, he's going to win, right? Um, I, I think everybody. Thought it was going to be Tanahashi and Okada. I th- I think this is Carl Anderson's crowning achievement in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I and really did do. You, I th- did you get a feel after this, like, oh, this guy was so successful in this match that he's going to be in line for a big push? Because it never really happened, did it? I mean, I guess you could point to the likes of uh, Prince Devitt or, or AJ Styles coming into the company and he kept getting sort of pushed back in the queue and stuck with the tag stuff, but... You know, it seems like, okay, prior to this, he's a tag guy. So he's, you know, wrestling with uh, Giant Bernards and the Bad Intentions tag team. And then you watch this and you think, oh, he's going to break out and become a big singles star. But he doesn't. He just goes straight back to the tag stuff. So he's tagging with Goto. And then later he's uh, the Guns and Gallows with Doc Gallows and when Bullet Club is formed. So he never gets back to anywhere close to this level, does he? No, not really. I mean... And I don't know if there what the reasoning behind that would be, and I don't know if that was a booking decision or a contract decision or 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 what what that would be. So I can't speak to that. But yeah, I mean, I guess looking back on it, you would think that there would be a little bit more of a singles push for the guy. Um, trying to think, if, uh, trying to think back if he's ever challenged for other titles. And nothing's nothing's coming to mind. Should probably check that. But you know, in any intercontinental singles chances or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, look, the guy became pretty well known for for being in a faction and being a, a you know tag team. But yeah, I don't know. I I can't put my yeah. You would think he would be pigeonholed in a singles program for a long long time after the g1 performance but yeah it doesn't necessarily feel like he's as known for that as opposed to his tag stuff yeah because i was kind of getting juice robinson vibes from him you know a guy who's been through the dojo and is becoming popular with the domestic fans but i mean anyway let's get into the match so like i said okada's coming off the back of the the rainmaker shock at new beginning so it was his first G1 as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was interesting to see Hiromu, Evil, and El Desperado as the young lions in this. And then there's a, a little moment in the when they're doing the ring introductions where they get give a little machine gun sound effect uh, for Carl Anderson, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. And he's, he's getting huge chants from the crowd there. He sounds really over, and he works the crowd well. And, you know, there's a clean break for at the start. So it's, the crowd are fully behind him. And 
they're pretty well matched in the early grappling exchanges and there's the early Rainmaker gun stun tease that gets a big response so I mean the story of the match early on is that he's going after Okada's Rainmaker arm but that's kind of dropped later on in the match which minus a few, few points from me because you know I'm fussy about stuff like that but Okada for his part is targeting Anis's neck and I, I just always find that when Okada is in control of matches, like when he's dominating and working over people's necks, that's more interesting for me than when Okada's the babyface in peril. Because, one, it's more believable when you know a brilliant wrestler like Okada is able to control a match. And it also makes sense because uh, the, the kind of moves that he's laying in going after the neck is all building up to the big Rainmaker towards the end. So it's just more interesting for me than him on the back foot. Like the Naito match uh, Naito Wrestle Kingdom 14, when Okada is the guy who's in control, I just find it more dramatic that way. Uh, there was a really nasty kick exchange on the apron, which I thought was great. And yeah, just I mean, I was focusing on Carl Anderson because we know what Okada can do. But he, yeah, I just found it very dynamic, very good underdog babe, baby face energy. He's got these big, fun, energetic comeback spots. He's got a nice high-impact moveset, nice range of high kicks, drop kicks. And so, yeah, we had it playing out with Okada's sort of playing heelish. He's doing the ruthless moves like he's dropping Anderson on the railing, the DDT to the floor. We had the count-out tease. And just like he's even back then, in this early point in his career, Okada is so good at like just the little smirk at the crowd as he hears the crowd turning on him. Just that little grin on his face. It's just so brilliant. He doesn't get enough credit for that. And like when he does the Rainmaker pose, there's booing from the crowd. And I just also find it interesting to see how his moveset has evolved because he's doing this sort of Jave, Jave, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, influence moves like the Deep in Debt and Heavy Rain and stuff like that, which he's now dropped. Um, and then we got into the closing stretch. Crowd were really into the near falls. And then Anderson does the Bernard Driver, which is a little tribute to his previous tag team partner. And they've got the great reversal sequence, you know, like the finisher dance, as we would call it now at the end. I just thought it was a really, really exciting match. I enjoyed it a lot. And Okada ends up as the youngest G1 winner. And this is the first time it would lead on to be the Rest Kingdom title shot. So, really enjoyable match. And I I don't expect Carl Anderson to come back to the company and be slotted into this point. But I would certainly be interested to see him have a little run as a singles wrestler. Because watching this match, I know it was eight years ago, but I don't know how physically demanding his WWE run was. I know you work a lot more dates, but the actual in-ring stuff might not be as taxing. So I'll be interested to see where he's slotted in when he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, while you were, while you were describing the match, I was like, you know what? I know that Carl Anderson had some singles matches and I just couldn't remember. And, and looking back, he did. Uh, And they all seem to center around, previous Dantaku shows um, where uh, he, he had matches with uh, Nakamura um, in 2012. And then um, there's a contract. So um, he had a feud with Okada that led uh, to him unsuccessfully challenging for Okada's Wrestle Kingdom 7 Title shot contract. That was at King of Pro Wrestling. Um, and then at Power Struggle, he challenged uh, Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship. So he has been involved in a little bit more higher profile title shot opportunities. 
before um, forming Bullet Club. And that, and again, keep in mind, Bullet Club was formed theoretically was him turning on Tanahashi um, when uh, Bullet Club was formed. So I think uh, I think he had a little bit more of a singles career than even we give him credit for. So there you go. And our final match on our watch long was in 2015. It was the best of Super Juniors 22 final between Kushida and Kylo Riley, 7th of June 2015. And this is the first time I've watched this match. Uh, could you give us really? a context for both guys, Damon? Uh, I mean, Kushida, we, we know, we remember him, right? Uh, here's a guy that was the, or at least he tried to be the ace of the junior division and to me one of my favorite juniors and arguably the best junior there red dragon um they had just come i think it was that very year they came to new japan um for the first time and they were just starting to get i don't know if just starting but they were they were making a lot of noise in ring of honor um and getting a lot of buzz, and this is kind of like one of those career launch point matches between these two. Um, I think both of these guys are probably at their, if not peak, but really close to their peak. Awesome match. Seriously, I can't believe this is the first time you saw this match. Um, I love both their style. I uh, look. If I could take both of those guys, I said before, Red Dragon, I would take back in a heartbeat. I would take back in a fucking heartbeat. I thought they were tremendous in, in New Japan. And even though we talk about Kushida a lot, and what else could you do with the guy? You know, you can't make him a heavy, or you know, maybe challenge, you know, have him challenge for the Never Title was a, always a thought. I would take him back in a heartbeat too. I really would. I think he's a missing piece. Um, so you put those two together. <laughs> fucking magic and they had a bunch of matches that were really good um, and this was just one of them interestingly I actually watched the Access TV version that was commentated by Jim Ross and Josh Barnett on commentary so uh, I noticed there was an interesting entrance video for Kushida with him as a kid doing. you know you see these videos on Twitter of like he's doing moonsaults and Stardust presses and stuff onto a mattress. So there's Kushida doing that, which I thought was pretty cool. And you get like real top quality mat wrestling, exchange of submissions at the start and throughout this match, really. And, and I just think Kyle O'Reilly's so good. He's, for me, like the complete package because he's got his grapplings, his submissions, his striking. They all look legit. I think he's incredibly charismatic, even when he's tag wrestling. And I think it's a credit to him that that's managed to shine through in NXT as well. So you got both guys as submission specialists. It's kind of a unique kind of match. Both guys going after the arm. And yeah, like we've discussed, an MMA influence here. Uh, really creative chaining of submission and pinning combinations. Almost reminiscent of like, a, like Zack Sabre Jr. kind of thing we'd expect from him these days. So uh, Kushida's selling his left arm really well. Like Even when he's chopping Kyle O'Reilly with his right arm, he's like shaking out his left arm, which was a nice touch. So... Incredibly fun submission scrambles and transitions, and I thought Josh Barnett was really good on commentary to to sell those submissions and explain you know how they're working, what you need to do to get out of them, where where the pressure, where the pain is, 
and some amazing spots like the top rope double wrist lock DDT that looked absolutely brutal uh, moonsault into the triangle that was a really cool spot the, the guillotine on the apron that was reversed into a brain buster on the edge of the ring and then you just get that escalation of the strike exchanges towards those moments where like Kushida would land his massive punch you know the baseball punch or a big elbow or something and the finish was terrific I thought the way how Kushida just boots Kyle O'Reilly in the arm before putting in the hoverboard lock and then Kyle's like edging over to the ring he's grabbing his own tights with one arm and he's desperately reaching for the rope with the other and he's inches away you think he's going to get it and then Kushi just rolls him over and gets the win it was really dramatic it was just an outstanding match yeah yeah I miss them I, I think uh, I think they were a perfect fit I love them as I, I love again I think Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are tremendous I love their run in New Japan. I would love to see them back. Um, I want yeah, to say, me, I think their NXT run has been great as well. They've had some terrific tag matches. So it's not as if they're not putting in good work these days, but it's just a wasted opportunity. Like uh, uh, NXT at the moment, they're having their little cruiserweight tournament and they've got Kushida in it, but they didn't bother putting Kyle O'Reilly in it. So you think anyone with like a, uh, a cursory knowledge of the history between the two, it would be a no-brainer to at least put them in the same block or something, but nope, and it's, it's kind of sad, the missed opportunities. It is, and, and but here's the thing too. It's like, don't, and this might be a terrible thing to say, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, don't you think, don't you wish that their run was terrible in NXT? Because of anybody that you can point your finger at, right, and think, okay, they left New Japan, they went to WWE or NXT. Like, name me a person who who has grown, or maybe name me a team who has grown, and they have. <laughs> you know, like it seems like they have actually like flourished, um, which sucks because you want to you want it not to be. So that they'd be discouraged and leave and come, you know. Maybe come <laughs> yeah, on. no, I hear you. I mean, I, I want to see good wrestling. I don't care which promotion it is. Like, that's what frustrates me about WWE because it could be good, but it isn't. And I know it, it, it could be better. So that's what frustrates me about it. If, you know, overnight, suddenly WWE started pushing the right people and allowing wrestlers to go out there and have great matches, like they're perfectly capable of doing, then I'd be delighted because there'd be more good wrestling to watch. So, I think NXT has had maybe the best tag division in any, you know, the whole world. They, For me, on their takeover shows, the tag title matches always deliver. And that's been the case for many years. So I always enjoy seeing those tag matches. And I'm pleased to see what they call Undisputed Era putting on good matches there but yeah i i hear you from the sense of like it would be really great if they came back to new japan and i mean who knows they might but uh they seem to be doing well for themselves in, in nxt at least i don't know if they get called up to the main roster that'll probably end up dying on its ass but i just i like seeing them having good matches yeah i mean like i said of, of all the the new japan talent that has ventured over to vince land um to me it's that whole entire undisputed era group have really they've they've and 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 not at the at the um, expense of having good matches. I mean, I, what I say that they're on the level of what I think they could perform in a New Japan ring, probably not. But I mean, for what 
I, I think they're the cream of the crop when it comes to if I want to watch good pro wrestling and WWE and NXT are my options. I mean, I'm going. I'm. 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 They're. They're. They're my first watch. Absolutely. As far as tag wrestling goes, I would say that NXT has better tag wrestling than New Japan does. Um, I mean that might change. We were, we were. I, I mean, you can only go by what was produced, mind you. But I think New Japan was on a nice little, uh, nice little upswing beginning of this year. I mean, I love the idea of of where they were going. That could that that could have changed. Two thousand and twenty, that could have changed. Um, yeah, Tana, we, we were going to get Tana. Hanan Ibushi against Zach and Taichi. Ah, it's not fair, yeah. is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, a Juice and David Finley, I would take. And, and and again, you want to throw in G.O.D. in that mix? I'm fine with that. Um, and, and now, you know, you got other teams that are out there in the mix that are might be interesting to, to, to look at. Um, no, nah, I think tag team wrestling was going to be pretty exciting in 2020, but COVID-19. Let's dip into a few questions then before we go. Oh yeah, Manabu wants me to ask you, There's a. are you familiar with the company Blue Bottle Coffee? Blue Bottle Coffee, I'm not. What, I, I believe it's a why? Japanese company. Does that sound weird to you? Like When you hear Blue Bottle Coffee, do you think of the insect, the blue bottle, the big fly? No, I do not. <laughs> no, why? No. Because he wanted to ask you that. I was chatting to him. I was like, oh, have you got any questions for the show? And he's like, yeah, ask David about the blue bottle coffee thing. I was like, okay, I was expecting a resting question, but there you go. Um, all right, let's go I don't know anything about blue bottle No, what, I mean, what, what, what was I supposed to know? Is this well, a just, reference of something? No, like, if you were to say to me, blue bottle, do you have that in the States? Like, blue bottle is the name of a bug. The big, the big fly. We do not have anything called oh, a blue bottle. maybe it's a British thing then. Yeah, we do not have that. All right. Well, there you go. There's your answer, Manabu. <laughs> All right. I uh, thought he was trying. I thought he was trying to speak to me in code. No. Like, no. <laughs> like I had to break a code or something. I'm like, okay. Is he trying to smuggle drugs into the? Co- what, what am I trying to do? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, Nehek says I've been stuck at home for what feels like an eternity. Damon, which will fail first, yeah. my liver or my wallet? Uh, uh, my liver will fail first. <laughs> actually, of anything, I've actually been saving money, which is shockingly. Um, but yeah. So. Yeah, my liver. I, I'm up to I'm like a six pack a day. I'm like a six pack a day. Terrible. And and I don't get hung over, which is more frightening to me. That's the worst part because it's like, oh, I'm fine in the morning. All right, let's do it again today. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. Uh, Infinity says, what are things from New Japan Pro Wrestling that cause the biggest difference of opinions or arguments between Damon and Joel? It can be certain wrestlers, matches, or booking decisions. I can, we're usually on the same page, aren't we? I can't think of any huge disagreements. Friends. <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, wrestling-wise, what would be our biggest... I don't see it. Maybe, yeah, honestly, probably Southern-style pro wrestling would be. Like, you're not going to sit there and watch... Like I've offered, I'd be like, I got all this Memphis stuff, I got all this UWF stuff, I got all this Mid South stuff, and you're like, nah, not for me. Um, I'll never watch it. Um, where I kind of 
I, I really enjoy that old 80s style uh, episodic TV in the studio. I dig that. So that might that might be our biggest difference when it comes to pro wrestling. All right, I had a scream oh baby dumped to my lap. Mally's just she, Mally's coming with a scream baby. She's just dumped the baby in my lap and been like, Joel, I need my own time. I need a shit. I need a shit. She goes, I need She's a shit. Gives me the screaming baby and is fucked off. So that's the end of the podcast, folks. All right. <laughs> that's going to wrap it up. David, can you do the yeah. plugs uh, do you want me to- and then close us out? Okay, you want me to do- I'll do the plugs, sure. Uh, hey, uh, follow us on Twitter uh, at the Super Jcast. Buy a T-shirt uh, at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Super Jcast. Um, Red Circle is what we do. If you want to throw some money our way, we certainly deserve it. We got a crying baby who needs formula. That's what we need. Uh, send your questions. Uh, go to the Discord. The link's in the Twitter bio. Uh, thank you for listening. And goodbye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.